Hello, welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Bridget Jones's Diary. Bridget Jones's Diary was written by Helen Fielding and published in 1996. And the film adaptation, which came out in 2001, was directed by Sharon McGuire. And here we are, lightening the mood a little bit, everybody. Oh, God. I don't know if you've been along with us <laughs> for the ride um, for our last couple episodes, but it's been kind of heavy. Yeah, yeah, some heavy, <laughs> heavy topics. And reading Bridget Jones's diary and watching it after Under the Banner of Heaven was like slipping into a warm bath. Yes. Just comforting. <laughs> Easy, Funny. fun. Yeah. It was it's been wonderful. <laughs> I know. I'm so glad we did it this way. And actually, um, this is a listener request. Our listener Clayton asked for this one. And notably, Ian, this is one of your mom's favorite movies. It is. It is one of my mom's favorite movies. <laughs> and you know, I don't think I've watched it in its entirety until doing this episode. And yeah. I just want to say I'm sorry, Mom, that it has taken me this long <laughs> to fully appreciate Bridget Jones's diary. Yes. Shout out to Carol George. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like such a classic rom-com yeah. uh, based on a novel. And something that's kind of interesting about it is it is... I don't say like loosely based on even, but like it maybe takes inspired inspired by. by one of our favorite stories, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, it's interesting because both book and movie kind of take different cues mm-hmm. from Pride and Prejudice, but one of the most notable, of course, is the casting of Colin Firth. Yeah, I mean, literally in the book and the movie, one of the main characters' name is Mark Darcy. Yeah, I think that's like a little too too far. far. Yeah, it is too far, especially because in the book, they actually mention the BBC 1995 Pride and Prejudice miniseries that everyone was watching at the time, which, of course, is our preferred version. Um, (laughs) But Colin Firth is in that and she talks about it in the book. And then somehow they got Colin Firth to be in the movie. It's so meta. Yeah, I know. It's like so (laughs) many layers deep of like, like, even if they had called him. Darcy without ever mentioning Pride and Prejudice. That yeah. might have even worked, but they're like, oh, his name's Darcy. Like, you know, Mr. Mr. Darcy, Darcy from Pride and Prejudice <laughs> starring Colin Firth. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of a funny connection. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And then also, since we're mentioning it, yeah. uh, Hugh Grant is cast in this. And in the book, they actually mention Hugh Grant as well. But in the context (laughs) of the incident where he was caught with a sex worker and it was kind of this whole scandal, uh, they actually mention that in the book and they talk about it. So I'm kind of shocked that Hugh Grant was in this movie. I mean, he might not have ever read the book. (laughs) Also, I feel like he's just kind of like very open about it and like has just kind of owned up to it and is like... People do a lot worse. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, like the book was talking about the incident because, you know, at this point, Bridget was working for a news outlet and they the the guy was like how did he cheat on his gorgeous wife and how is he getting away with it (laughs) like no one is like holding him accountable and it was just such a a double meta moment for the book with between colin firth and hugh grant being mentioned i know almost a perfect top tier casting like oh truly this was truly like everybody's first choice Mm -hmm. in casting this film like they got their first choices you know what i mean like it wasn't like oh 
we originally had this person, then they backed out. Like, they got the Which people. Which usually happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, interesting, too, how Renee Zellweger got the leading role, considering she's not British. Yeah. And I think this kind of caused a bit of a stir. You know, a lot of fans of the book were, like, really upset that they cast an American to play this kind of iconic British character. Yeah. Um, But, you know, she pretty pretty quickly shut everyone up by being spectacular in the film. I know, she's so good in this. We just have to mention the beginning part of her. I mean, it's not right at the beginning, but her singing all by myself oh, in it, her pajamas. The opening credits. Yes. Yeah. So good. <laughs> <laughs> like her routine on her couch, like the kick that she does. Yeah. It's good. Also, just the title coming up over top of that is yeah. just like comedic gold. It's so good. It's so good. Let's get into the actual uh, meat of the story, though, and talk about the main character, Bridget Jones. Yes, and this is her diary, as we have been promised. Yes. So we're beginning with the new year. She has a new diary. She has all these New Year's resolutions. And Bridget Jones is a single woman in her 30s and is trying to figure out her life, right? And she thinks the best way to do that is to have all these New Year's resolutions. Yes, which includes... Uh, cutting calories, cutting smoking. Yes. Uh, mainly those two things. Yeah. But also like trying to have a m- more fulfilling love life as well. Yeah. She's looking for someone that she can spend her life with. She's afraid of being alone and being eaten by dogs. <laughs> <laughs> as we all are. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like the, the book format is, you know, segmented into days of the mm-hmm. year and then like even like specific timestamps. Yeah. Which I think the book utilizes is really well because like sometimes you'll a joke will play off based on like the timestamps, right? Yeah. She'll be like, uh, like I'm totally over him at like 952 <laughs> and then like at 955 she's like, why hasn't he called? You know? <laughs> uh so it uses the format like really creatively, I think. It does. And we begin the new year with uh, uh Uncle Joffrey and Aunt Una's turkey curry buffet. <laughs> yes. Which gets mentioned so much in this book. I know. Like, I'm like, what's with the turkey curry? Long after like the <laughs> event has happened, it keeps being referred to. Uh, but it's kind of this family gathering. I feel like there's a lot of like characters in the story that are friends of the parents. Yeah. And it becomes like difficult to follow like how many there are. I know. It does seem like there's so many people that kind of pop in and out. Yeah. Not just her parents' friend group, but her own friend group. Yeah, for sure. And so she's at the Turkey Curry Buffet. Mm-hmm. And this is where she is introduced to Mark Darcy. Yes. He's wearing a bad sweater. In the book, it's just like a diamond pattern one. Um, yeah. But in the movie, it's a Rudolph <laughs> sweater. Yeah, they really had to elevate it, yeah. I think, for the film. And she just, in both versions, just kind of makes, like, a complete ass of herself in, like, two seconds. Yeah. And, like, Colin Firth just channels, like, Mr. Darcy, Pride and Prejudice so well. And it's just awkward, like, well, then, I think we should eat. And, like, just walking away. (laughs) And the film, and correct me if I'm wrong, this isn't in the book. She overhears him talking shit on her yes okay yeah i don't think i don't think it happens in the book no i didn't think so either yeah but that's very pride and prejudice yes that is like a key moment in the pride and prejudice book and like i think it works well in the film she hears him being like uh mom i don't want to like be getting with like a chain smoking alcoholic (laughs) woman woman you know and and this is kind of like a moment of realization for her and this is actually what she says in the film causes her to make her New Year's resolutions and to, like, start the diary and to kind of make this change in her life. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so she has some friends that we see pretty often, her core three. Um, Tom, who in the movie made like a one-hit wonder song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <That's laughs> Which is an interesting added detail. Throwaway joke that yeah. I think only happens like once in the Maybe film. Maybe twice. Ma- yeah. <laughs> then there's uh, Sharon. Sharon, who in the book, her personality is much more feminist- Yes. Um, and then Jude, who is kind of the opposite of Sharon, who's with this guy who they refer to as Vile Richard, who just yes. treats her like crap. So between Sharon and Jude, Bridget is kind of going in between them a lot. Yeah. And I re- it takes a while to like kind of figure out the character dynamics and like who they are, you know, as individuals and how yeah. they play off each other. But like. After a while of reading the book, you kind of get a a feel for it. And, like, I do like the dynamic between everyone. Yeah, I agree. She has some other friends that pop up, uh, Magda and Jeremy, who are a married couple. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, who's just a bitch in the book. (laughs) Once again, like, a lot of side characters that are, like, hard to keep up with. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the the core group uh, is, is pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, she works at a publishing company. Mm-hmm. Unclear what she does. Yeah, exactly. I was just, I like went to say what she did and then I'm like, actually, I don't think we ever fully know. No, we don't really find out. She's not too invested in her job. It turns out she's yeah. more interested in the very handsome boss, Daniel. Daniel. Played by Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. His entrance into the job. So yeah, perfect. Yeah. What song is playing? The Respect. Oh, is it respect? I thought yeah. that's when she was quitting, or is that also when they? I think it's playing when when. Oh, okay. He comes in. Okay, yeah. I just remember like it was this kind of like big pop ballad as he's walking in, yeah. like in slow motion, <laughs> and uh, she's clearly just kind of like you know infatuated with him. He's very yeah. charming, very likable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day she gets a extremely inappropriate work message from him. <laughs> yeah. About how she has has seemingly forgotten her skirt. Yes. Because she's wearing a very short one. <laughs> this begins Bridget wearing uh, very sexy clothes to work and the two of them just basically sexting all day at work <laughs> yeah. but using like the company email. And I'm like, this is very 90s, early 2000s where people didn't worry about yeah. emailing private things like they mm-hmm. weren't thinking about the fact that their company was probably monitoring all this stuff yeah so yeah <laughs> really funny though and i think it says so much for the effectiveness of hugh grant in this role that you're not immediately like oh my god this is like horrible and yeah. like way too far and i hate this like obviously a boss sending like sexually inappropriate messages to his uh, co-worker employee employee yes uh, <laughs> is just terrible yeah however Hugh Grant just is somehow so charming that you kind of like can push it out of your mind yeah and like it still somehow works within the movie I know I mean when you're reading about this in the book you're like oh my god she's trying to get with her boss yeah like, this is just gonna be a complete disaster of course it does turn into a complete disaster later but like she doesn't see that and I don't think the book or the movie ever kind of hints about the fact that this is like super inappropriate. Yeah. It's just kind of like, whatever. So like, don't think about it too hard because when you do, you're like, oh my God, this is 
really messed up. Yeah, because I mean, in so many other situations, this would be like a nightmare for a woman and I know. her place of work or, yeah. you know, there's so many ways that this would be like an awful situation. But mm-hmm. uh, it works out fine. It in, does. In the book and the film, <laughs> as we find out. She has this uh, event for work, though, that she's supposed to attend and she wants to impress Daniel, mm-hmm. make a good impression on everybody else, seem like she's good at her job. Uh, unfortunately, she has to give one of the introductory speeches for this event, which she starts out by telling the the author that they're promoting that the book that he wrote is the best of all time. Yes. The greatest book of all time. And then looking at the other authors in the space, she has to, which one of them is like Salman Rushdie, like the yeah. actual author. She has <laughs> Jeffrey to, Archer is there too. Okay. She has to start backtracking <laughs> on like, well, maybe like a top 30. I don't know. That comment of her saying like, Definitely in the top 30. (laughs) Like, she keeps backing it up. And I love they keep cutting to Hugh Grant, just, like, laughing to himself, watching her, like, crash and burn. Oh, my God. But the best part is her having to introduce uh, the man, Mr. Fitzherbert. Fitzherbert, who everyone at the office, or at least she calls tits pervert because of his constant just ogling her yeah and she's on stage and she has to say his name and she starts like blanking and the inner monologue is like tits pervert tits pervert (laughs) she just cannot think of his name it's so funny oh and of course she's screaming because the microphone won't work yeah and after she's finally done her boss comes up and is like just going to switch this on and turn the <laughs> microphone on. Oh, my God. And uh, Darcy, of course, is at this event, too, as yes. well as Daniel. He's there with um, his current girlfriend and law partner, mm-hmm. Natasha, because Darcy is a lawyer. And it's funny in the book, she ends up, Bridget ends up in a conversation with a bunch of them. And Natasha ends up making this comment about people needing to be forced to read the book before they can watch the movie. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's very classist. And yes, I don't like that at all. It's weird because she's like, I can't tell. Like, I'm sure she it's implying that she thinks there's some truth to it. And it's hard to tell, like, is she trying to make a joke or is just being like a jerk or like what her tone is? (laughs) But yeah, it was a very interesting discussion. Yeah, I thought it was relevant to our discussion about (laughs) podcasts. A little bit. (laughs) Yeah, book to movie, so. In the book, there is a night when she ends up, Bridget ends up going home with Daniel. Yeah. They start fooling around, Mm -hmm. like taking their clothes off. And Daniel makes the comment, let's not like make a thing out of this. This is just for fun. This is just for fun. Yeah. And Bridget is like, no. And she, like, gets up and, like, puts her clothes on. And she, what does she keep calling? Fuckwittage. Fuckwittage. Like, I can't stand this I don't know fuckwittage what yeah. or fuckwits or, and just, like, tells him off and, like, all men and, like, storms out. It's great. It is great. And I love this dynamic of, you know, I think she knows, she's certainly aware of, like, the power imbalance between her and Daniel and is, like, trying to, like, hold her own in a yeah, way and, and like, assert herself. Yeah. But obviously the, the situation is just bad from the beginning. So it's kind of this like losing battle. Yeah. Like, like we were saying earlier, it's almost like this, um, going between her two friends, right? Sharon and Jude, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause Sharon keeps telling her, fuck him. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. And then Jude's like, well, if you do this, you know? Yeah. And then Tom is like, oh, just be an ice queen <laughs> and act aloof. And then he'll want you, you know? Yeah. I loved that part in the book too. Her like trying to be, <laughs> like aloof and distant yeah uh in the film 
after this book event, she ends up going back home with Daniel. Yeah. And they're on the floor, and this is where the <laughs> the underwear thing comes back. Because when she was getting ready for the party, she chose the granny panties. Yes. Uh, the high-waisted underwear. Because it, like, held her stomach in a bit. Yeah. And then, of course, she realized she was wearing them when they were on the floor. Yeah, Daniel is so funny. What does he call her? Like, mother or oh, mommy? Oh, oh, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> but he gets away with it. I know. How does Hugh Grant get away with He's what he gets? He's too charming. He is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this kind of just begins their relationship in the film. Yeah. And they have a conversation later where she's like, what do we, <laughs> she says, what do we do at work? Yeah. And he says, well, we're a publishing company, <laughs> so people give us their books and we help make them. <laughs> kind of, you know humorously avoiding the question but yeah they start a relationship but aren't really public with it in the film whereas mm-hmm. in the book there's kind of a lot of push and pull between them for a while yeah they go out you know she leaves in a huff that one night they end up going out again and sleeping together and then their relationship isn't defined but eventually they end up dating like like you said they're not really public in the office about it but um public enough that like Bridget's parents know about it and in the book he at least meets her mom. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that phone conversation was funny in the book. Yeah. Speaking of her mom, <laughs> let's get into Bridget's mom slash just her parents in general. Oh, my God. So her parents have been together for forever, right? And uh, her mom is like, hey, I am kind of sick of this. And I think she makes a good comment in the book. She said, um, your dad retired recently mm-hmm. from his job. But I can't retire from being a wife. Yeah, from and doing like, the housework. Taking care of the house, cooking, cleaning, all that stuff. And I think that's a really great point because, you know, she's resentful that he can just go ahead and retire now and he has nothing to do and her life just continues. Yeah. So I think, like, she brings up valid points. And she talks about the sex not being good anymore either. <laughs> yeah. So you get it. But um, you find out very quickly that she hasn't just left him for her own self-actualization. She's met someone else. Yes. Uh, a handsome man. I think still roughly her age. Maybe, like, a little younger. Yeah. And uh, named Julio in the book. Yeah. In the film, his name is Julian. Mm-hmm. And he works at a, uh, like a uh, home Q- shopping QVC network. home shopping thing. <laughs> and I thought this was smart in the movie because in the book, on top of being with Julio, she begins this like separate career. Yeah. Be- working for television. Mm-hmm. And the movie kind of combines these two aspects. She's with Julian, who works for the Home Shopping Network, and then she becomes his assistant. Yes. On the show. <laughs> uh, so she's just having this like, Late in life, self-realization, like owning her sexuality, owning like mm-hmm. her sense of self-worth and like just dating around and kind yeah. of. But she's also like the kind worst. of manic and crazy and like, <laughs> yeah, uh, just like so much. And I really kind of love this <laughs> dynamic with her because you're like, not that you have to be crazy to do that. Yeah. But. Kind of almost, you know what I mean? Like that kind of dramatic shift, like at that point in your life, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're almost like you would almost have to have a manic kind of personality. Oh, yeah. And she's the type of person that she's constantly like just mowing Bridget over in conversation, like calling (laughs) her and just screaming about random stuff, coming over to her house and just like rearranging her cupboards and like being very strange. Yes. Just (laughs) a bizarre person. Yeah. Her dad is devastating. 
dude. Though. Oh yeah, her dad is just pl- and he's played by oh, what's his, the actor's name? Broadbent. Uh, Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. Yeah, he's. I love that actor too. He's so good. Yeah, and he. He's, like, in the book, he's just, like, a complete wreck for, like, a long time. Yeah. The film version, he's a little bit more just kind of, like, depressed about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. But this is such a long and ongoing part, especially of the book, I feel. Yeah. This whole situation. Yeah. Let's get into another huge part, especially of the book, which is Bridget's dieting. Yeah. So this is something that has aged very poorly, I yeah. think. And it's well worth noting that this book was written in 1996. Mm-hmm. The book came out in, what, 2001? Is that what you said? The film, yeah. Yeah, sorry, the movie came yeah. out in 2001. <laughs> and so, like, I know diet culture was a really big part of the 90s mm-hmm. and the 2000s. And it's only now, I mean, it's still a big problem now. Oh, but, yeah. But, like, I think there's been a big push for body positivity and also more of an awareness on eating disorders. Yeah, you know, we were just watching the second Mission Impossible movie recently, yeah. which came out in 2000. And it was like, I forget who. Bandy Newton. Yeah. And she just is like real thin. Yeah. And like the low cut jeans, like that like tiny figure. You can see your hip bones. Yeah. Was kind of like just everywhere at that point. Yeah. Which is just such an unhealthy standard. Absolutely. And I think, too, there's. This misunderstanding about what an eating disorder is, and literally an eating disorder is when it consumes your life to the point where you're you're counting every calorie, you're weighing yourself constantly, like it affects your mood, and you're always like charting like a pound up here, two pounds down there. And that's exactly what Bridget Jones is doing in her diary. She's using it as a diet book too. She like writes down how many calories she she has each day. She writes down the alcohol she drinks and how much she weighs. So it just gets like really unhealthy, unfortunately. Um, And I think this book does touch on it a bit. Yeah. But I wish that it it did a little bit more. I do want to read a part of the book that I think is really good, where Bridget kind of ends up losing the weight that she's wanted to lose for a really long time. But once she does... Her friends kind of keep making these comments to her about her looking tired. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're also like, your boobs are flat. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what happens when you lose weight Mm -hmm. is you have no breasts. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's a thing. And I'm just going to read a little bit from the book. So um, her friend Tom is saying, I think you looked better before, hon. Now I feel empty and bewildered, as if a rug has been pulled from under my feet. 18 years wasted. 18 years of calorie and fat unit-based arithmetic. 18 years of buying long shirts and sweaters and leaving the room backwards in intimate situations to hide my bottom. Millions of cheesecakes and tiramisus, tens of millions of emmenthal slices left uneaten. 18 years of struggle, sacrifice, and endeavor. For what? 18 years and the result is tired and flat. I feel like a scientist who discovers that his life's work has been a total mistake. Yeah, I love that part so much. And just kind of that realization of like her friends being like, you don't look healthy. Yeah. Like you don't. And and there's a similar, there's another quote I really like um, from the book where she says something along the lines of uh, she realized her idea, her, her nutritional ideal 
was like not eating food at all. Yes. And that the only reason people ate food was because they were like weak willed. And they gave in. Yeah, because she mentioned something about like how many calories she eats in a day, and Tom isn't like, don't you need at least this many to like survive, survive and function? And she's like, I never thought about like the calories you need to live and have only thought about it as like every calorie is like a loss. A strike? Yeah. Yeah. Uh so like yeah, clearly her her view on weight and calories and nutrition is, like, very, very flawed and bad. Yeah, and like we were saying, there are moments of insight here, right? Yes. There's this part where she loses all this weight and her friends tell her she looks bad and she feels cheated, you know? There's that moment where she has that revelation about the calories and she's like, oh, yeah, I guess you do need calories to live. Um, but And she kind of learns from this, but at the same time, she doesn't. Like, she keeps tracking her weight she keeps agonizing over an extra pound here yeah more there you know um i mean it kind of makes sense if she's like she said if she's been doing this for 18 years yeah that's just like almost how she operates at this point and that's literally the definition of an eating disorder yeah for sure (laughs) um but on and on top of that too like uh daniel at one point makes a comment and this was like so funny but he tells Bridget because about like her weight yeah and he mentions men want a bottom they can park a bike in and balance a pint of beer on (laughs) 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 that just fucking killed me but like him acknowledging like yeah a lot of men want a curvier woman or they want someone with mm-hmm. that body type and body shape. Yeah, not that that should determine what no. anyone should be, but it's a good point because you're told that the standard and the ideal is this, that, and the other thing, but nobody really asks you what you prefer or, you know, if you're talking to the people that you're into and that you want to impress what they prefer, you know? Yeah, I think this idea is that, like, people in looking for a sexual partner always want like either the peak of like physical fitness or slimness or like whatever. And it's like, obviously that isn't true. Yeah. And even when we know that's not true, we still put that pressure on ourselves to like somehow want to achieve that look. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I think those elements for me made the dieting stuff tolerable at least. Cause I'm like, okay, at least the author is like, aware yeah of how that, kind of fucked this is ridiculous this, up this is and like even if maybe like she doesn't take bridget as far on this journey as i would have liked to like understanding mm-hmm. what she needs to work on uh just that like acknowledgement uh went a long way for me definitely i agree let's talk about the mini break ian the mini break which is a new term I, this must be a uk thing uk listeners please let us know i i want mini breaks i know they just they sound they, they sound delicious is you it know just what I mean? a weekend or is it like a long weekend? i'm guessing it's mm, i don't know like maybe like an extra day yeah if we have any uk listeners please please, please let us know tell us about your ideal mini break how how long does a mini break have to be to qualify as a mini break yeah versus just a regular break at what point does it become just a normal <laughs> break also i feel like mini breaks are local like you yes. don't really travel too no far. you couldn't go that far yeah yeah uh bridget really wants to go on a mini break with daniel <laughs> yes. since they're kind of like in a full relationship now mm-hmm. <laughs> something real quick that i thought was so funny in the book was how she says that there was one night when he came over and they were gonna like they both knew they were gonna have sex yeah and it was like awkward and she's <laughs> like i realized that like 
our entire relationship up until now had been one person pursuing the other for sex and the other person like, like resisting resisting and then giving in and that like adding to like the fire but like as soon as they both were like Together. on the same page it was like kind of weird and for a boring. bit yeah. <laughs> uh, but they go for a mini break to an inn nearby and in the book it's just kind of a dud of a weekend yeah it's cold out yeah (laughs) and bridget only brought like warm clothes and swimsuits (laughs) and like sexy uh sundresses yes and daniel just wants to like stay inside and watch like cricket or football or whatever (laughs) the movie's a little bit different because they get there and of course darcy and natasha are there yes and it seems like they're actually having a good time. At least uh, Bridget and Daniel are. Yeah. They're being really fun and flirty with each other. We have this really great scene of them in rowboats <laughs> on the yeah. lake. This is so funny. Bridget is quoting Keats. She goes like seasons of mists and mellow fruitfulness. And then Daniel starts quoting like a raunchy limerick (laughs) he's like i fucking i love keats like (laughs) (laughs) he's got like a cigarette hanging out of his his mouth mouth. as he's talking yeah it's great and of course like darcy is like watching them from afar kind of like longingly almost jealous here's the thing so in the book darcy like Mark is not around much. No, like he's barely all. in it. No, he's in it like a couple scenes until like near the end when he becomes more active. But he's like gone from the action of the story so much. Yeah. So I appreciate the book or I'm sorry, the film trying to work him in more. Yeah. But he's it is al- weird, right? He's also just kind of around. Yeah. For like no reason. <laughs> like first he's at this inn yeah. where they're at. And then he ends up going to the same party that Bridget goes to like immediately after. He's just like. Always around at these events. Yeah. But he's not having, like, interesting interactions with her. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, if you think about, like, the Pride and Prejudice comparison, right? Yeah. Like, with Elizabeth being around Mr. Darcy so much. Like, they have all these, like, verbal sparring. Yes. Like, discussions and, Mm -hmm. like, all, all these interesting interactions that, like, are the the bulk of the story or, like, what's so interesting about it. Whereas in this version, and not to, like, compare them, but, like, you know, Darcy's just kind of, like, hanging around and watching her from afar, and it just feels, like, not as... What's the point of him in this scene? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. We do find out, though, from Daniel that Darcy and he um, went to Cambridge together or went to college or whatever, but Darcy stole his fiance from him and had an affair with her. Yes. And this Bridget's like, oh, my God, what a piece of shit. Yeah. So now she, like, hates Darcy. Exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about the party. Yes. Following this. Following the mini break. The Tarts and Vickers Tarts party. Tarts and Vickers party. <laughs> Another thing that I'm like, is this a thing in the UK? Yeah, because it sounds like either you're dressed like a priest. Yeah. Or a prostitute in, like, really, like, raunchy, I know. provocative outfits. <laughs> but it's also, like, a... Old people? <laughs> like, old people in, like, a backyard party. Yeah. It, it, it's such a weird... <laughs> but she talks about... It's talked about, like, oh, yeah, it's Tarts and Vicar party. Yeah. Like, like, you know. What? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I love her in this Playboy Bunny outfit. Okay. Obviously... You can't help but draw a comparison to yeah. Legally Blonde. Yes. Yeah. Where the exact same situation happens. I know. Where she shows up to a party that's supposed to be a costume party dressed as a bunny. Didn't Legally Blonde come first? 
I don't know. That's what I was like just trying to think of in Although my Although in the book, she's dressed as a bunny, right? Yeah. And the book definitely came out before the film. Yeah. Legally Blonde. Mm-hmm. So who's who copying knows? who? Yeah. I mean, maybe this is just something that happens to women all the time. Maybe you're constantly <laughs> showing up. Maybe this is Dressed like. Dressed as a Playboy bunny and then you're the only one dressed yeah. up. Oh, no. Maybe it's like a shared experience among all women that I just don't know about. Well, I think it's funny, too, because it's meant to be embarrassing, right? But they just always look hot. <laughs> right, and yeah. So I'm like, I mean, it's a little embarrassing, but also you're stunning. Yeah. So, like, same thing with Bridget as with Elle. I'm like, I mean, you look great, so. Yeah, I, like, you look, yeah, like, kind of a great excuse to really just show off. Be like, what? I thought this was a I costume this party. Was a, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, the comment that the one woman makes to the other one. Oh, my God. Is so shitty. Awful. When she's like, oh, you didn't hear that we switched the theme either, did you? And she's like, no, I did. And she's like, oh, that's a nice dress. <laughs> You know, the first comment that she makes is like subtle, but clearly implying that she thinks that she isn't dressed right. But then it just like takes it like four. Too far. Yeah, way too far. Also, she could have been wearing something more. I know. It wasn't that sexy. No, it wasn't at all. I'm like, the costume department really dropped the ball there. I love, though, seeing Bridget dressed as this Playboy bunny with like a cigarette in her mouth. She's just (laughs) smoking sadly. Her dad is there, too, and, of course, he's depressed because uh, her mom is there with um, Julian, not him, and he's dressed as a vicar. <laughs> but then he says, at least I didn't go as far as, like, Peter did. And Bernard. He, Bernard, and he just showed this guy, like, a full, like... Uh... Archbishop outfit. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a great visual gag. I know, I love that, too. And then um, on their way out, they, they see uh, Auntie Shirley, who's, like sneaking around because <laughs> yeah. she's also dressed as a hooker i loved yeah i loved that it wasn't just bridget and yeah they kept, like, bringing like that other up. people also didn't hear that the theme was changed <laughs> <laughs> again this is another scene where darcy and natasha are just there yeah i mean natasha makes like a mean comment to her mm-hmm. but that's it i know i need more darcy interaction i think yeah yeah um the party is such a catastrophe that Bridget decides to leave early. Mm-hmm. She drives back to London and goes back to Daniel's house. Yes. She gets there and he's, he's acting, acting weird. weird. <laughs> he's looking out the window at her yeah. and like in the book he wants to like meet her at the pub and not let her inside. Yeah. And in the film she's in his apartment and she thinks she like hears a noise of like someone else there. Mhm. In the movie, too, she ends up seeing a coat. That's a woman's yeah. coat. But either way, she ends up finding a woman in his apartment naked. Mm-hmm. So he was cheating on her. And it's unclear if this has been happening for a longer time or if this is, like, the first time it happened. Well, I think in the movie he confirms that, like, this was, like, an ongoing thing. Yeah, or someone he knew before and was involved with. I, yeah, I guess... I think his embarrassment implies that maybe he had seen her before. Yeah, Yeah, or while they were together. I don't... In the book, he's just like, oh, we have, like, a history, and it's complicated. Yeah. Um, But she's, like, super depressed about this whole thing, obviously. Of course, this woman, the comment she makes to her. Uh, I thought it was, like, way too much in the book, and I was shocked that the movie kept this line. I know. That I thought you said she was thin. Like, what are you even talking about? I know. I would have been like, 
Who cares? Like, first of all, <laughs> Daniel was talking about her yeah. and describing her. Why would she why would he be describing her to her? To her. Yeah. And like, why would that be the first thing that this woman says to Bridget? It's just like such a weird, I don't know. I know. I would have been like, why would Daniel say that? That seems like not something Daniel would say. Exactly. He just made that comment about the ass and the bike. Like- <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the the ass you can park a bike in. Exactly. What all men want. <laughs> the extra storage space. <laughs> uh, she is really depressed, and then she finds out after talking to him that it's worse than she thought. Yes. Because they're going to get married. Yeah, in the movie, Daniel is really harsh by saying, the two of us are so alike, we really need somebody, like, exciting and new and young and American to get us to commit. Yeah. It's really depressing. But yeah, this is kind of, like, a low moment for Bridget. More so in the, I mean, in both versions, but I think in the movie, she really uses this as, like, a turning point for herself. This is an example where I think a movie takes, like, something that was kind of in the book and really, like, focuses it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, this is, like, a, a, a crucial moment for her where she can either kind of, like, lay down and, like... Let the dogs eat her. Let the dogs eat her. <laughs> God, I love that shot in the movie so much. I love the idea that, like, dogs would come up to her, like, third floor apartment. Like, wild dogs are just roaming her <laughs> apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> um, or she can like kind of try to like seize the day or whatever mm-hmm. and like change her life for the better. I choose vodka. I choose vodka. <laughs> uh, so she is like back at the gym exercising, mm-hmm. back to calorie counting, which probably isn't great. Yeah. Um, but is also wanting a career choice or career change as well. Yeah, she's looking for a new job. She wants to work in television. Interestingly, in this part in the book, her mom actually gets her a job. Yeah. Um, which I'd be like, any job that her mom suggested, I would not take. No. Like, I would be highly suspicious of that situation. I wouldn't even interview. I know. That's, like, such a bad thing to get into with a mom like that. But in the movie, it's more proactive on her side. Like, she's seeking it out. She's interviewing. Um, the interviews get steadily more seedy until she's working for kind of like a, a lower level newspaper or magazine or whatever news channel news channel i'm sorry (laughs) newspaper yeah news channel yeah where the boss makes like a creepy remark to her but she gets the job yes and then she gets to tell daniel that she quits yes in a really great scene i especially loved this in the book because this other woman who she worked beneath uh, Perpetua? Per- Perpetua. <laughs> what a name. Which, has there ever been a name better for, like, a shitty character as yeah. Perpetua? <laughs> um, but she's just, like, been at odds with Perpetua, like, the whole story. And then when she's quitting, and, like, I guess, like, everyone in the office knew. That they like, were seeing that they each were, other. That her and Daniel were seeing each other and that Daniel was engaged to this other woman. Ugh. And so when Bridget's leaving, Perpetua, like, stands up for her and, like, talks shit to (laughs) Daniel to his face. And she's like, oh, my God, I think I love Perpetua. (laughs) I love, too, this moment in the movie where she says she would rather wipe Saddam Hussein's ass (laughs) than work for Daniel. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But, yeah, you tell him. Like... (laughs) 
<laughs> feels like you've thought about that one, like yeah. Yeah, that one in the chamber. Maybe in the shower, you were like, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll tell him that. <laughs> uh, she starts her new uh, newscaster television career. Yeah, it starts off with her uh, shimmying down then back up, and then back down a fireman's pole. The, the, the whole situation is so funny. It's exactly like in the book. Yeah. Where she's supposed to slide down this fireman's pole, and due to a miscommunication, <laughs> she starts going down and then has to, you know, go back up <laughs> before going back down. And the movie adds the detail of her going, like, ass first into yeah. the camera. <laughs> And then, like, knocking them over and then being kind of low to the ground. And she's like, (laughs) back to the station. (laughs) I love, too, because in the book they talk about, because, like, literally she didn't get to do anything. She went down the pole and then they were like, okay, cut, cut, get away. She's like, back to the station. (laughs) And that, like, it became an inside joke at the office that if anyone was asked something they didn't know the answer to, they would just say, Back to the station. And now back to the station. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even though everyone was laughing at her, it weirdly was like a bonding thing where she yeah. felt more accepted by everyone after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a just such a funny moment and very typical Bridget. Like this is just the situations that she gets herself into. Yeah, and just I think this is like one of the top three like most iconic scenes from like this whole movie. Absolutely. Around this time in the story, uh, Bridget is invited to a smug married dinner party (laughs) where she is the only uh, single person. Yes. I love that she calls them the smug marrieds. (laughs) Yeah. That's what she refers to as as the married couples. Yeah. It's so funny in the movie because when she's introduced to everybody, the couples all say hello in the exact same way and tone. I like didn't even like and process I'm like, that. I, I thought that was so funny because that's absolutely what Ian and I oh my God, are yeah. turning into slash already are here. Like <laughs> We've done it on the podcast. I'll, I know. I'll be like editing an episode and we'll both go, yeah, like in the same <laughs> cadence and tone and pitch. And- I know. We just we've been together for so long and that's definitely what happened. So I thought that was so funny as like a little detail. Oh my God, in the we're, movie. we're a smug married. Well, almost. <laughs> almost. No, not quite. We're yeah. a smug engaged. Exactly. <laughs> but of course, like they're giving her so much shit and the men especially being like, oh, you're TikTok, Bridget, like you're running out of time. You got to mm. pop out those babies. What else are you good for? Like got to oh, catch Jesus a man. <laughs> it's like just so cringy and awful. Yeah. Um, I do really appreciate, though. I think this book does a really good job of having a focus. Yeah. And kind of having a theme that it really explores well, despite it being just like, Oh, this woman in her 30s and like uh, dating and her like funny exploits. Like, I think it really kind of explores the idea of because she talks a lot in the book about being a feminist or considering herself to be a feminist and trying to have a sense of self and kind of how being a woman who wants to have a sense of self and a career and like uh, confidence, how that comes at odds with like also being single and just like being horny and want to, wanting to fuck. Yeah. And also wanting to be with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not end up alone. Yeah. And the compromises that you're like forced to address or like have to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, her dieting, for example, you know, on one hand, she is a feminist, but on the other hand, she's like putting herself to this like terrible body 
uh, standard that, you know, she's like starving herself to try to achieve. Yeah. And I think the book just like really constantly explores this idea or like with her mom, you know, as a side character. Yeah. Who is like kind of crazy. Like she's like. (laughs) fully pursuing this almost like feminist ideal of like you know living her life and it's not going very well no (laughs) or she's just like a manic crazy person but it's like is that what you have to be to like actually like achieve this level of like self-confidence and you know Mm -hmm. well and she's constantly running into men like these dudes in the smug married couples that are literally dehumanizing her in every single moment. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, nobody wants to be with a woman when she's 30. Like, the way they talk about women is so disgusting. And, like, you see her friend Jude with Vile Richard. Yeah. You know? And he just treats her like trash. And so you just see, like you were saying, that push and pull with, like, her standing up for herself, wanting to be respected, you know, to have a life, to have a career, but also you know, looking for love and wanting to be happy. Yeah, her relationship with Daniel captures a lot of that too, I think, in terms of like, yeah, she wants to stand up for herself and be like, I'm not going to sleep with you if you're going to not be like committed to this. But then of course, like, he's a handsome guy and she wants to get some. And so that kind of compromise and like, where do you draw the line? Mm -hmm. I think the book continuously is kind of exploring that idea to like varying levels, which I think it does like really well. Yeah. In this scene in the movie, we get a part here where Darcy and Bridget end up talking alone together. And Darcy kind of like puts her down a bit first before saying that despite all that, he likes her as she is. Yeah. Which is really sweet. Mm-hmm. Cause he's like bringing up all these like terrible things about her, like her being a terrible public speaker (laughs) and just saying the wrong thing and and all this other stuff, but then just saying, but I like you. Um, And this kind of being a moment between them before Natasha interrupts by snapping at Darcy, literally snapping at him. Yeah. She snaps like with her fingers. And he, he goes back to her with his tail between his legs. Yeah. What I love too, because I think it really shows you why he's like drawn to her like i think about when he was like watching them yeah her and daniel at the inn when Mm -hmm. they were on the water goofing around because he's like very withdrawn yeah and he's a lawyer and he's kind of very serious and i think he's like drawn to someone who's like more charismatic and outgoing and and, carefree yeah and kind of like rough around the edges in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and you kind of I I think get a good sense of that in the film. Yeah. And you can see that Natasha is not working well with him. (laughs) That in fact, (laughs) she just wants to focus on work all the time and that's not really what he needs. Yeah. We get something kind of similar in the book. That's different where she ends up seeing Darcy at his parents, um, Ruby wedding celebration. So she, Bridget is invited along with her parents and her parents' friends to this event. She runs into Darcy, and this is where he kind of tells her, like, I like you. You're really different from any other woman that I've met. Yeah. Kind of getting into that dynamic with her being a little rough around the edges um, and says that he wants to take her out on a date. And she's, like, totally caught off guard by this and is like, okay, maybe I will, like, just to, like, I'm not into him, but, like, just to be nice, like, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll go out with this, like, handsome (laughs) lawyer. Yeah. Uh, And there's this whole thing where they arrange to go out on a date, and she is getting ready. Yeah. I just, 
Adina, there's so many parts in this book where she is getting ready for something. I know. And she's behind. Yeah. And she's running behind and she's like, okay, well, I'll push back. I'll do my hair then. And then like, I still have time to do this and then I'll do my makeup. And yeah. Like, oh God, it's already 15 minutes late. And like, <laughs> I'm like, this is like half my nightmares. Is like, oh my God. I this have is to, every dream I've ever had. Yeah. I have a, I have a flight I have to catch and I'm still <laughs> packing at home and it, it takes off in 15 minutes. Like, this is like the embodiment. I can't find my boarding pass. <laughs> No, this is the embodiment of my stress. Yeah. Uh, and this is like her situation getting ready for uh, Mark to come over for this date. Yeah. And then he like doesn't show up mm-hmm. and she's like really pissed about it. Yes. And she finds out later she sees him and he's like, where were you? And she's like, where were you? <laughs> and it turns out he came to her door and rang the bell. And because she was blasting her hair dryer in her face, she couldn't hear the doorbell. Yeah. And he rang the doorbell for like minutes on minutes and yes. then just left. <laughs> so uh, not, not a great start to their relationship. No, but the next situation where they run into each other is that Bridget for work is supposed to cover this trial that's taking place. It's very highly publicized. In the book, it's about a woman who is being uh, sexually assaulted and end up, ended up like killing her assaulter. I, I, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. In the movie, it's like, oh, it's this these two like activists and they were trying to extradite the one guy and it's very romantic yeah like like, uh, like kind of like a aw like yeah. a fun little not thing not like a oh my god yeah like it, i was so stunned by that being the case in I the know. book um but she goes to uh try to get an interview with the woman leaving the courthouse misses her leaving completely cuz she was getting snacks across the street <laughs> and cigarettes and cigarettes which is so funny but she finds out that Darcy was actually the one uh, defending her. And he is like, okay, well, I can get you, like, an actual interview with them. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of, like, helps her out in that situation. Yeah, it ends up being this cute moment. Um, and they're going to try to see each other again later. There's a little interlude here, though, in the book where Bridget's friend Tom mysteriously disappears. <laughs> I really loved this part because it, it, it's kind of this was the perfect level of like, is something like actually wrong? Yeah. He like isn't answering anyone's calls. Someone swore that they saw him one night with like a like bloody bruised face. Like he got the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And and they can't like get in contact with him. Mm-hmm. He's not answering his phone. He's not answering the door. They, 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 like, call the police, but it hasn't been long enough to, like, file a report. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of is, like, turning into this situation. But, like, Bridget is still, like, <laughs> such a self-obsessed person. Yeah. That she's, like, imagining herself, like, on the news over this. Or, like, even, like, oh, what if Tom's dead? Yeah. Hmm, what would I wear to his funeral? Well, and she's also, like, oh, everyone's calling me because I'm Tom's best friend. And I'm <laughs> the center of attention now. And I feel very important. Yeah. Uh, they eventually, they go back to Tom, or yeah, they go to a Tom's apartment one last time. Because Bridget realizes she has a spare key. Yeah. And he answers the door. <laughs> His face is all bandaged, black and blue. Yeah. And it turns out that he got a nose job. <laughs> and he's so embarrassed. And he's so embarrassed. <laughs> and he said, I've only been going out at night to like get groceries, <laughs> which is when someone saw him outside. <laughs> I just love, like, this was such a funny 
And it had been kind of like alluded to earlier. He was like self-conscious about like his nose. Yeah. And so this was just such a funny payoff to like this semi-serious situation. Mm -hmm. It ends in a sweet way too because, you know, Tom is feeling like shit. And then Bridget kind of tells him all about how everybody was really worried about him. And it ends up being this moment of like this kind of um, found and chosen family a bit, you know, all these friends who are very connected and keep up with each other and care about each other. And they're all really busy and they have stuff going on. But, you know, in the and when it counts, like they care and they check in. So, yeah, this was something I really appreciated about the book was that Mm -hmm. like all the friends like they were sometimes shitty towards each other, but like ultimately they were there for each other. They're like faithful, right? Yeah, (laughs) and they were always there for Bridget, like over everything that happened. But like she was also there for them. Yeah. And this is one of those things where like some books will take these friendship dynamics and just make them like terrible. Yeah, too dramatic. Yeah, and it just gets like frustrating. And I'm like, I just like that there she has good people in her life mm-hmm. because it doesn't solve all of her problems, but it gives you some levity and relief from everything else going on. Definitely. Uh, she decides to throw a dinner party and have Mark come over for this event. And in the book, she has already tried to cook before. <laughs> yep. She was going to do it for her birthday, and it ended up in a disaster where she ended up uh, stepping her new fancy heels into a plate of mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, why? I forget why she had them, like, she on the ground. She put them on the floor. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> yeah, and so she's decided to try again. Yeah. Uh, and just, like, this is one of those uh, parts in the book where it's just, like, segmented between, like, like in 10 to 15 minute chunks. Yeah. Where it's just, like, this thing happened, I'm doing this thing, this thing went wrong. Oh, no, I forgot to buy this. I'm gonna fix this thing. Oh, God, I forgot to get this thing from the store. I'll get yeah. them to get it. And it just keeps, like, escalating. My favorite part is when she's trying to, like, make the, the stock for the soup and then also, like, cook the oranges to make some kind of fancy dessert. And she's tired and it's like 1 a.m. And she still needs like an hour or so on both items. But she's so tired. She's like, I'll just put the oven on on low and then go to bed. And then she wakes in the morning and everything's just like burnt to shit. (laughs) Here's the thing is that like people who are bad cooks. I know. Are bad because they cannot follow a recipe. Exactly. Like if you just follow. But like. People like that are always like, well, I can just substitute this other thing. I'll improvise. Or like, I I can cook it instead of like a a high temp for a short time, a low temp for a long time. And here's the thing. You can do all those things when you already have figured out what you're doing in the kitchen. Yes. You have to start out following the recipe. Absolutely. And Bridget keeps trying these like fancy recipes (laughs) because she wants to be like this fancy ass cook. But like also doing these like shortcuts for (laughs) the recipes that she like reads about online. Like this is very my mom. (laughs) Yes, it is. Oh, my God. That's exactly who I was thinking of. But like, doesn't she also like wasn't she? Focusing every dish for her second meal, like, around one, like, kitchen hack that she, like, learned about. Like, oh, yeah. Everything was going to be centered around, like, a, I don't, like a cream sauce that she learned how to make yeah. easily or something. She ends up making a blue soup. Because she uses blue string <laughs> to tie up the uh, celery stalks. Which you probably don't need to tie them. I don't no. know why you would need to tie them. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, around this time when uh, she is at her lowest in the 
film anyway, Darcy comes over early. Yeah. Or no, he, he does was, this in the he, book. Well, he does. He do it in the book too. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say he wasn't even invited in the film, right? Yeah. He shows up for another reason and ends up staying and stays and helps her cook and yeah. like try to salvage the situation. <laughs> and she invites him to stay for the dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really sweet. He takes off his suit coat. Yes. He whips up an omelet for everybody. You know, Darcy saves the day. It's very cute. And um, it seems like it's kind of romantic between them and things are going well. And here is where we have a divergence in the story. Yes, this is where we're splitting off into two alternate timelines. (laughs) The timeline of the book and the timeline of the film. Yes. Let's go with the book first. Yes, let's talk about what interrupts This romantic evening. It is a call (laughs) from her father. And she discovers that her mom is wanted by the police. Her mom and Julio. And Julio. Are both wanted by the police. It turns out that uh, the two of them had been committing fraud. (laughs) And um, that she had taken all of their savings. So all of um, Bridget's parents' savings. Their pension. Uh, she had remortgaged the house. Yes. Um, and then she had also, with uh, Julio, hit up all their friends, including Mark Darcy's parents. Yes. For money for a timeshare. Mm-hmm. It turns out the timeshare did not exist. No. And now uh, her mom and Julio have run away to Portugal to escape the police. <laughs> and Bridget is just like, what? What? <laughs> and there was a scene in the book earlier where her mom shows up and is like, hey, can I have some money? Yeah. I'm going to the airport. I don't have time to get like my checkbook or something. And it's like really weird. Yeah. And so now the truth comes out that they are on the run from the police. And like her mom's level of knowledge and involvement in this scheme is like kind of uncertain at this yeah. point. But like shit is hitting the fan hard. Yeah. Mark, because of his parents' involvement and also because he's there when Bridget finds out, is like, okay, I'm going to try to figure this out. I'm a lawyer. I'm going to, like, find your mom. We're going to get this sorted out. I'm on the case. I love this part so much in the book because he's immediately like, okay, what are we doing? Yeah. What are people doing to find her? Like, where, yeah. like where's Julio from? And he's like, and he's just, like, taking control of the situation. I know. And Bridget's like, oh, my God, he's so sexy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they find her mom pretty quickly and end up bringing her home. This was the worst part. And this is very interesting because uh, this is very Pride and Prejudice as well. Yes, it is. Anyone knows who knows the story of Pride and Prejudice knows the story of Kitty and the scandal, or not Kitty, Lydia. Lydia, yes. And the scandal there. Um, and Darcy coming in to help. And we have a, something similar except it's with her mother. Yeah. And her, like soiling the family name and then even her personality when she returns oh she's my like God. la 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 like i did nothing and yeah, everything's she's fine so unrepentant and is flirting with the police officers that are like arresting her and bridget just wants to kill her i know she kind of like reunites with the dad but it's in a way where you're like did they make up or did she just have to come home because like, Julio's on the run. Yeah, like, she has, what's like, the nowhere else to go or anything else to do. Yeah. Around this time, though, uh, like, Bridget is just, like, so grateful to Mark for, like, everything he's helped do, like, legally for her mom to, like, try to ensure, like, she wouldn't serve time in prison. Yeah. That kind of thing. But 
their relationship seems kind of like uncertain. Like Bridget yeah. tries calling him and he won't return her calls. And she thinks like maybe he was just being nice to me and actually like he's embarrassed by this whole mm-hmm. thing. Daniel only comes back in like a drunken voicemail that he leaves for her around <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, for like one moment. <laughs> He calls her and leaves a voicemail. It's just like, Bridget, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. Like, I love you. And then he just never comes over. Nope. Never really brought up again. Nothing really happens with him. He's kind of just dropped from the story. Yeah. Uh, We get to Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And Bridget is home with her family. And then all of a sudden, Julio shows up. Who was supposedly on the run in Portugal. <laughs> he like bursts in through the door like yeah. he's like unshaven. He looks like crazy. Wild. He goes up to the dad and he's like, you sleep with my woman. And he's like, we're married? <laughs> this whole part is like so absurd and wild. Yeah. And then the police show up mm-hmm. and they end up like arresting Julio. And like Darcy's also there too. I'm like, yeah. was Darcy chasing him? Like, what? Yeah, he was. And Darcy later says that like... He found Julio and ended up telling him that, oh, um, your mom is back with your dad because Julio was in love with her. Yeah. And so the fact that she was back with the dad like made him jealous and he thought he would go to find her. So then they could arrest him on British soil. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, the mom is like, oh, this is so crazy. And the mom was like having sex with him upstairs. Yeah, she like her shirt was on inside out. Yeah. That's like. The last thing we find out about her, like... I feel so bad for the dad. Oh, my God. I feel terrible for her. Like, she has not repented at all. Like, whatever shittiness he inflicted upon her over their marriage, I think she unleashed on him tenfold within the past year. (laughs) Just, like, unrelenting. Just made his life a complete hell. I mean, she lost his pension. Yeah. And their savings. I think they got the house back, but I don't know about anything else. Bridget's probably going to support them in their old age. Like, this is not good. No. Um, And so... She understands, like, oh, my God, Mark has been, like, in Portugal, and that's why he hasn't returned my calls. Mm -hmm. He's immediately like, hey, let's get you the fuck out of this house because it's insane. And your parents are crazy. Yes. They go and get a nice dinner, Mm -hmm. and then they have sex. Yep. And then that's, like, that's the end. Yeah. That's the end. They're good. It's great. (laughs) Let's go back to the movie, though, and find out what interrupts this cute romantic dinner. Yes. Rewind. <laughs> Let's look at the alternate timeline of events. Yes. <laughs> Dinner went great, except in this version, in the film, uh, Daniel shows up. Yes. He's very much like, Bridget, I made a mistake. Uh, the girl that I was with dumped me. And you're the only one that understands me. And like, we get each other. Let's just be together. You and me. Remember me? I'm so charming. Like, oh. You like me, like <laughs> once again, Hugh Grant. I know. How does he get away with like not after everything he did, not seeming like the worst person in the world? Like, I yeah. mean, he is, but also you're still like she could choose He's him. Cute though, yeah, he'd be fine. <laughs> uh, it seems like Mark is just like really upset by his arrival and yeah. like kind of he like leaves. Yeah, and then he promptly comes back and is like, <laughs> "All right, Daniel, you and me outside." <laughs> they go outside. Yes, and. Mark immediately punches Daniel in the face. Yes. And then Tom rushes to the restaurant nearby. (laughs) This like Greek restaurant. Runs into the door, stands there for like a couple seconds and everyone's staring at him expectedly. And then he's like, fight. (laughs) 
there's a real fight. There's a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Come quick. And then everybody comes to look. Tom is so funny in this moment. Like, I love it. It's like he's always wanted to do this. Yes. And he like can't believe that, that he's actually, happening. like there's actually a real fist fight about to happen and he gets to announce it. He gets it. to tell people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so like, you know, I think Mark punches Daniel like twice in the nose. Yeah. And then it turns in like <laughs> Daniel hits him with like a garbage the garbage can lid, lid. Yeah. And then things fall apart <laughs> as the fight continues and the kicking Adina. Oh my God. The two of them, they, they're like grappling at each other's backs and like pulling each other's suits off. And like, <laughs> there's a part where they're like pushing each other's faces with their hands. The, the fight breaks into the Greek restaurant where yeah. they're just like shoving each other. <laughs> we get the amazing intermission of the fight, which is it's someone's birthday. And they both, like awkwardly stop and to sing and to sing happy birthday yes and then i was sure they were going to destroy the cake they don't no. i was glad they didn't but then uh <laughs> daniel takes darcy straight through the glass window onto the street i also love they were playing it's raining men yeah during this fight <laughs> and it cuts out during the happy birthday only to come back for like two more seconds as they fly through the window oh my god this movie is what is a movie that like it doesn't do a lot of visual gags yeah or editing gags but like it does do a handful of them that are very well done yeah like the fireman's pole <laughs> the fireman's pole i was thinking the uh the guy dressed as a bishop at the party oh, yeah or this moment where they fly through the window and the song comes back for like two seconds before yeah. they like just awkwardly <laughs> land in the street and they're like shaking glass <laughs> off themselves um we get this moment where it seems like the fight is over and then daniel of course has to add like wanker and <laughs> Darcy ends up punching him again and totally knocks him out. Yeah. And Bridget, I think, is like still a little bit in love with Daniel and is yeah. kind of like angry at Mark for like starting this fight. And also because she's still under the misconception that Mark uh, had slept with Daniel's fiance however mm -hmm. many years ago. Yeah. So she kind of tells him to leave. And it seems to Darcy like Bridget is choosing Daniel in this moment. And Daniel comes to and is like, Bridget, it's just you and me. We're meant for each other. If I can't make it work with you, I can't make it work with anyone. <laughs> what, every, is, <laughs> what every woman wants to hear. I know, Ian. It's, it's the worst. And I love this moment because Bridget tells him that's not enough for me. Yeah. I love this because she gets to choose that she doesn't want him. Yeah. And I also like to like what Daniel says. You almost have to think about it for a second to realize, like, how shitty yeah. what he said is. It's not like, he's not like, oh, who else are you going to have but me, Bridget? Like, I'm the best. Yeah. It, it's nothing like that. But, it, like, but it's very much like, you're the consolation prize. Yes. I couldn't get this other woman. And he he's saying it in a way that, like, he does still almost seem to, like, be in love with her. Mm -hmm. But, like, clearly his motivations are flawed, to yeah. say the least. So, you know, she leaves him... She chooses neither of them at this time. And then we end up at Christmas. She's with her dad. And who decides to show up but uh, the mom. And we get a much more um, end of her journey here. Yes. Where yeah. the mom is actually coming back to the dad and saying, I want to try again with you. There's a scene earlier that we didn't mention <laughs> where she calls Bridget. Yeah. And you can hear... Uh, Julian in the background yeah. and he's getting his nails manicured by this woman and she screws up and he calls her a ham-fisted cunt <laughs> and 
<laughs> it's like so awful. And the mom on the phone like overhears this yeah. and is talking to Bridget. She's like, I'm beginning to think Julian's a bit of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> So she comes back home and is tell is talking to the dad and like saying that like Julian wasn't that great. Yeah. The dad had ca- said that Julian was orange with or, his fake tan or red yeah. on TV and then the mom was like actually he was more purple. She's like, like up close he even started to look purple. <laughs> yeah. Uh but she tells him, like, I want to come back, but, like, we still have to work on us. Yeah. Like, I don't want things to just go back to the way they were. Mm-hmm. And they end up reconciling. Yeah, and I think this is a sweet and a lot uh, less crazy manic of a resolution <laughs> yeah. for Bridget's mom. I like this part. I do, too. It, it, it's really great. Yeah, this is when, and so now they're about to head to Darcy's parents' Ruby wedding thing, which is something that we already saw in the book. Yes. Um, But the mom reveals in this moment, oh, yes, Mark Darcy, his wife ended up sleeping with his best friend. Yeah. And she realizes that, oh, no, Darcy didn't sleep with Daniel's fiance. Daniel slept with Darcy's wife. Which is like, of course he lied about that because yeah. he's a liar and a cheater. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I probably should have thought about that like way earlier. Mm-hmm. So now she's like, oh, my God, like I have to I have to snatch Mark Darcy yes. while I still can. I have to tell him. They get there. She talks to him. She has kind of like the uh, her counterpart to the moment where he says, um, I like you as you are. Yeah. Where she's like, well, you're also awkward and you do things wrong and you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I like you and you should come come around sometime. We should get dinner. Yeah. You know. Fuck. Who knows? Whatever. <laughs> um, this is interrupted, though, by the fact that Darcy, it's announced that Darcy has a new job in New York City and is possibly getting engaged to Natasha. Yeah, like heavily implied that they're about Mm -hmm. to be engaged. And Bridget uh, responds in the only way that she can, which is to go, no! (laughs) And I just, then she has like backpedal and be like, no, it's such a loss for Britain. And one of our best. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, all right. Anyway, I have other parties to go to. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go. <laughs> this movie does like awkward scenes so well where they're, yeah. they're uncomfortable, but they're not like overbearing. They're not over the top. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so she goes back home. She's very depressed and her friends being such great friends mm-hmm. want to take her to Paris. Yes. To like get away and like get her mind off like just the shit year that she's had. <laughs> just all the craziness. Who shows up though? In the snow. But Mark Darcy. Looking handsome as ever. He went to New York City and then he came back because he realized that he wants to be with her. Yeah. It's very sweet. Seems like they're about to kiss, but their friends keep interrupting them. (laughs) And then they take off and they go back upstairs into her apartment and it seems like they're going to have sex. But of course, Bridget is like, oh, I'm going to be smart and change my underwear now like I should have done Mm -hmm. with Daniel. She goes in to change her underwear. And this is where uh, Mark, on invitation from Bridget to, hey, read anything you want on this table, anything (laughs) at all. And of course, her diary's there. And Mark, in a kind of shitty move, starts to just read her diary. Yeah. (laughs) And reads like the entries about him. That are just like shitting on him and about like what a 
prick he is <laughs> and like all this other stuff and he seems to be like angry about this and he leaves mm-hmm. like without saying anything yeah I, I do like them working the physical diary yes into like the plot mm-hmm. you know what I mean in this moment Bridget realizes what's happened she takes off in nothing but her underwear <laughs> with like a flowing robe yeah around her and a tank top and a tank top running out into the street to try to find mark <laughs> it turns out he's just buying her a new diary and was on his way back anyway but this leads to a very romantic kiss outside in the snow while bridget's just in her underwear <laughs> and like a bunch of old women are like, like gawking yeah <laughs> uh kind of a funny appropriate romantic way to end the story definitely uh, and then we get end credits that I thought were great. Yes. Because there's like, it's been talked about a number of times in the movie that like Mark and Bridget knew each other when they were very, very little. Yeah. And Bridget like ran around like naked, naked in his backyard. In his backyard at a party once. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was dropped like a couple times or mentioned. And then at the end is like home footage of this party. Yes. Of like a young These Bridget and like a young Mark like <laughs> hanging around at the party. Yeah. It's really cute and it works really well up until the end. Up until the last frame where it's like, oh, and then they like hold hands. And I'm yeah. like, ooh, stop. Ooh, that's creepy. They're children. He's like way older than her. Yeah, please. Stop <laughs> doing this. Like, yeah, it was I so like good. Yeah. I loved this until just now. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, that's the end of the film. Film. Mm-hmm. It's the end of the book. Yeah. And what a journey we've been on. What yes. a year we've had with Bridget. Yeah. Yeah. I love in the end when she tallies up in the book. She's like, I had oh, yeah. this many thousand cigarettes, this many <laughs> like thousand calories. And like in the end, she ends up like losing like 70 pounds and then gaining like 72 pounds. It <laughs> <laughs> being like just a, basically a net zero yes. over the year, which is just so funny and fitting. Which I think if there's any, if there's one thing we can all agree on, it's that Bridget should definitely stop smoking. If there's one thing yes. she puts all her effort towards, it should be to not smoke. Because that, <laughs> that is bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did love that tallying though at the end of like lottery tickets too. She buys yeah. lottery tickets and that was a good, good way to end. Yeah. Yeah, so, Ian, which one's better? So, I really liked the book. I was uncertain at first. I don't know why. Like, it took me, like, a little bit to to get into. Yeah, you kind of have to get into the tone of it. Yeah. Like I said, I, I actually thought thematically it did a really good job of kind of, like, focusing on what a woman in her 30s goes through while trying to, like, be career-focused and Mm -hmm. have a sense of self-worth while also trying to date and, like, not settle for men, but also to get laid, you know? (laughs) Um, Had a lot of funny moments in it throughout. It was, like, a little meandering at points. Like, there were sections where I thought, like, eh, I don't know, something better could have been done here. I definitely thought there could have been more Mark Darcy throughout. Definitely. Because he's, like, so not involved at all mm-hmm. until, like, the very end. Yeah. I did. So I did like the book, but ultimately, I, I think I have to go with the film. I mean, the film is so iconic. It's excellent. Literally, start to finish, it's just, like, it hits, it, it hits all the marks just perfectly. It does. Right? Starting with, like, the all by myself, like, her on the couch, (laughs) you know, uh, ending with this 
make out with her in this leopard print or whatever tiger print <laughs> underwear like yeah. it's just so funny it's really well paced too there's like yeah. no, there's no moments that are really like eh, the plot could pick up here like you mm-hmm. know um yeah just like really funny throughout really well paced i mean cast the cast perfectly yeah just perfectly cast <laughs> uh the tone the edit I, I and i mean renee zellweger just does such a great job as bridget I, right? yeah, I know she feels so naturally like kind of clueless mm-hmm. and hapless and just very like well-intentioned but kind of dumb and also just like <laughs> prone to disaster <laughs> but you're like rooting for her the yeah, whole time yeah no she like perfectly embodies that like underdog yeah kind of ideal mm-hmm. she, she's yeah she's amazing <laughs> uh yeah so i i think it's safe to say it's a movie for both of us right yep, it's a movie yes thanks again to our listener clayton for uh, suggesting this episode. We, yeah. We've been wanting to do it, and this was the push we needed. Exactly. And it was much appreciated <laughs> after Under the Banner of Heaven. It was the perfect episode for the perfect time. Yes. <laughs> let's do lightning round. Let's, let's do a lightning. So first up for lightning round, there was one part that just like really cracked me up where in the book, her uh, Bridget's mom wants her to record something on the TV for her. Yeah. So she can like watch it later because she won't be around the night that it's playing. And so Bridget is just like, it's a whole like day's entries of her trying to figure out how to work her like VCR recorder. Oh my God. And she's like looking through the manual and it's just like, she's like reading through and it's like, Recording will start when tuner mode is when any button is pressed apart from menu. Uh, What is tuner mode when the recording from a camcorder or similar press AV prog source three times during like it's just like all this explanation. She finally figures it out and then sits on the remote and like ruins it. She she's calling all her friends. She ends up calling Daniel about it. Yeah. Who is like laughing at her for not knowing how her VCR works. And he's like, okay, I'll record it for you instead, whatever. And then the last entry is Daniel just called or sorry, bridge. I'm not quite sure what went wrong. It's recorded Barry Norman. (laughs) So like at the end, not even he could figure out his own VCR. So the thing that I wanted to share for lightning round is also from the book. And like you said, all these entries, entries about like different times of day. And this one is about how you were sharing about her crazy schedule and like running late for stuff. Yeah. And this is just, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it goes on and on, but I just want to read you a part of her morning routine this one day. (laughs) So it goes, 7 a.m., get weighed. 7.03 a.m., return to bed in sulk overweight. Head state bad. Sleeping or getting up equally out of question. Think about Daniel. 7.30 a.m., hunger pangs force self out of bed. Make coffee, consider grapefruit. Defrost chocolate croissant. (laughs) 7.35 to 7.50 a.m., Look out of window. 7.55 a.m. Open wardrobe. Stare at clothes. 8 a.m. Select shirt. Try to find black like her mini skirt. Pull clothes out of bottom of wardrobe in quest for skirt. Go through drawers and search behind bedroom chair. Go through ironing basket. Go through dirty linen basket. Skirt has vanished. Have cigarette to cheer self up. 8.20 a.m. Dry skin brushing. Bath and shampoo. 8.35 a.m. Begin selection of underwear. Laundry crisis means only available underpants are vast white cotton. Too unattractive to contemplate, even for work. Psychological damage. 
Go back to ironing basket. Find unsuitably small black lacy pair. Prickly but better than giant mummy pant horror. <laughs> 8.45 a.m. Start on black opaque tights. Pair one seems to have shrunk. Crotches three inches above knees. Get second pair on and find hole on back of leg. Throw away. Suddenly remember had lycra miniskirt on when returned home with Daniel last time. Go to living room. Triumphantly locate skirt between cushions on sofa. <laughs> and like, it just keeps going. Yes. And But like the part that I honestly love the most is her just spending 20 minutes looking out the window. <laughs> like She's not doing anything else. And it's so relatable. Like, or the fact that she is sitting in bed and she's not going back to sleep and she's not getting up. She's just sitting there. And that is also me, like just being like just sitting in bed and not going back to sleep, but just not being able to get up. Yes. Well, I think it was also good to read something longer from the book, too, because it kind of highlights the interesting way that the book's written that we didn't really talk about, which yeah. is kind of like partial sentences and mm-hmm. kind of how you would write a diary. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. not like worrying about like full grammatical sentence structure or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, the whole thing isn't as disjointed as like the entry that I read for that day. Yeah. But it does have that style. It sometimes goes into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it for lightning round for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, we hope you enjoyed it. Go out and rewatch the movie if you haven't seen it in a while. Or if you've never seen it, what are you waiting for? Yes, it is extremely worth it. (laughs) Uh, If you'd like to support the podcast, we don't do uh, advertisements on the podcast to keep things moving, to keep it speedy. So uh, the best way to support us is to become a patron. All patrons get access to all of our bonus episodes, as well as monthly schedules, priority recommendations, Mm -hmm. access to our Discord, Lots of cool stuff. A lot of yeah. great stuff. We really appreciate all our patrons. And like we said, you know, we don't like to do ads. Like, I don't know. There's just nothing that we really believe in strongly enough to, like, put our stamp on, honestly. Yeah. And I just, like, <laughs> that's always my least favorite part of podcasts yes, anyway. Yes, I know. I always fast forward through them anyway. So, yeah, we don't do ads. So if you can give to us, that'd be great. If you can't, and that's fine, consider giving us a star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform that you listen to us on. It really helps other people find the podcast and promote us. So um, that would be great also. Yes. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that jazz. It's all on coveredcredits.com. Uh, yep. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.